0: Hi and welcome to your Nutrition and Wellbeing podcast for Southwest Institute for Teaching. I'm your host, Gemma Diamond, Nutritional Therapist, and this podcast we're going to be chatting all about Easter and some simple top tips on how to support your wellbeing when maybe our sugar intake might increase a little bit or a lot in some cases. I can't believe it is almost Easter already. This year seems to be flying by and I don't know about you, but I find Easter to be actually one of my favourite times of the year. It's often when we have the sun shining, although I know the weather forecast isn't looking great at the moment. Actually, we really start to feel spring, the start of new life, and actually feeling quite energised and positive because we are starting to come out of some of those long, dark winter months. Now, given everything that we've been through with COVID and with the pandemic, this year especially, Easter is something to celebrate because for the first time in a long time, for many of us, we do feel that maybe we're able to see friends or family in a safe way where maybe our risk has been reduced, we've been vaccinated, and actually we can start to feel this whole new norm that we're going to be living in. So as much as I am a nutritional therapist, and this podcast is designed to be talking about simple switches that we can make to try and help our sugar intake over Easter and fun things that we can do to help our celebrations and help us to enjoy Easter with maybe not overburdening the body. I do also want to say that actually it's really important that we do relax and we do enjoy our time off over the Easter holidays if we think about our stress, if we think about everything that we have been through, even without the pandemic happening, just generally how we live life, how busy we are, how much we have to do at work, at home, in social life, having break from work, having that little bit of downtime, whether it's a full Easter holidays, whether it's just those four days off over Easter, is so important for our well being. And whenever I talk about health and wellbeing, it isn't just about the food that we're eating, but it's really important to think about all of our lifestyle factors. And actually over Easter, if you're planning to see friends and family, If you weren't to worry too much about what you were eating, but you really focused on relaxing and switching off and enjoying yourself, if we think about the interaction with loved ones and the impact it can have on our emotional well-being, it's huge. If we think about chatting and laughing and talking more, that actually really directly stimulates our vagus nerve. And the vagus nerve is the long nerve that runs between the brain and the gut. And the more energy and the more blood flow we can get into this vagus nerve, the more we support the communication between the brain and the gut. And as we've seen in other podcasts, and we will talk about in future podcasts, thinking about our emotional well-being and releasing all of those really good, feel-good neurotransmitters and hormones such as serotonin and GABA and dopamine, they all come from the gut. Some of the best ways to support them coming up into the brain to help lift our mood is through this laughing, chatting, singing, whatever else we might be doing, which all stimulates the vagus nerve to get that communication going. So actually from an overall well-being point of view, to be able to relax, to switch off, to reduce the burden on your adrenal glands, which often can work at 100 miles an hour when we're working and we've got little time for self-care, but also just enjoying our social time is the most important thing to do. And then if you want to listen to any of these additional top tips of extra things we could do to try and maybe be mindful of our sugar intake and reduce our sugar intake, that is only going to help and support well-being even more. Now, let's think about Easter, and let's think about the biggest change that most of us experience in terms of eating patterns, and that really is how much extra sugar we are putting into our body. We think about the mini eggs, the Cadbury's cream eggs. We think about Easter eggs that we have for ourselves, maybe Easter eggs that are left over from our children that are hiding in the kitchen cupboards. But also, when we're socialising more, maybe we're going out for dinner. We've got people coming round for dinner. There's always puddings or cakes or things that are brought round, so we can often find that we'll. go into our cupboard or look on the side of the kitchen and even away from those extra Easter eggs we can find that maybe we're starting to graze a bit more on that white refined carbohydrate which actually on short term is fine but if we want to think I'm actually in a really good place with my eating patterns, I'm feeling really good, I want to enjoy Easter but I want to try and reduce that sugar burden then there's definitely lots of things that we can do to really support ourselves. So first of all there is a three main types of chocolate. And when we think about Easter, it often is chocolate that first and foremost we're thinking about increasing our intake of, simply because of all of those Easter eggs that we can find in our homes. Now when we think about the three main types of chocolates, we're thinking about our milk chocolate, we think about white chocolate, and we think about dark chocolate. And they all do contain sugar, we can't escape it. Now, when we think about sugar, there is sugar in lots and lots of the different food groups that we eat. Some of it is natural sugar that we would find in things like fruits and vegetables, in your brown rice, in your home meal bread they will all contain some form of sugar in them. But because these are natural sugars, we don't worry too much about how much of those we're eating because if we're having those as part of a healthy eating, balanced, nourishing food, then they won't have a negative impact on our blood sugar levels. Instead, we want to think about what we call free sugar. And free sugar is sugar that is added into food groups all this white refined processed sugar like table sugar, the sugar in chocolates, in cakes and confectionery. This free sugar is sugar that's been added into things that actually when we eat it, it's the one that can have a detrimental and a negative impact on our energy levels, on our insulin response, on inflammation, on weight gain, on tiredness, on sleep patterns, on mood and so many other parts of the body. Now, in terms of this free sugar, in order to be healthy, it doesn't mean we can't have any free sugar at all, because actually, for so many people, to never eat any free sugar would be quite a miserable thing to think about. So instead, the government have put rough guidelines to say, if we want to stay within roughly healthy eating parameters, We don't want to have any more than five teaspoons of this free sugar in a given day. So if you think about the chocolate you're eating, if you're thinking about the sugar that you're popping into your cups of tea, maybe the fizzy drinks that you're having, maybe the cakes, maybe the crisps or the white refined carbohydrate, you can then roughly work out on any given day how much of this free sugar you're putting into your body and therefore whether you're sticking within those guidelines or you're not. If you're not, then there's some quick, simple things that you could think about doing to reduce your overall sugar intake down, and that really is how to reduce it and get to those five teaspoons. Now, over Easter, to stick to those five teaspoons is going to be a bit of a challenge, but this is where one of the first things we could do is to simply think about the type of chocolate that we're eating over Easter. Now, if we think about these three teaspoons of sugar, each teaspoon of sugar roughly works out to be around seven grams of sugar. If we think about eating, for example, 100 grams of white chocolate, so this is actually the most sugary chocolate, 100 grams of white chocolate does contain on average around 59 grams of sugar, which works out to be around eight teaspoons. So all of a sudden, if we had this sort of large milky bar sized chocolate, like a family sized chocolate bar, that is going to be hitting you with all of the sugar intake that you can have for that day and a bit more. If then we look around 100 grams of milk chocolate, that's got around 52 grams of sugar in. So that's got around seven teaspoons of sugar, which is still a really big amount. If then we switch and move closer to say the dark chocolate, if we looked at 100 grams of 80% cocoa chocolate, that has got around 14 grams of sugar, which is about two teaspoons. So all of a sudden we can see if we want to have something chocolatey, if you like dark chocolate or you think that you can work towards dark chocolate the higher the cocoa content of the chocolate that you're eating the lower the sugar content so you can very simply go from this you know 9 or 8 teaspoons of sugar in the white chocolate down to 2 teaspoons of sugar in the dark chocolate now i know 80% cocoa can be quite bitter and can be quite a punch to sort of get used to having. So you could start by, you know, going to 70% cocoa and then trying to build up from there. So if you're wanting to increase maybe the chocolate that you're eating over Easter, you could try and balance and have some milk chocolates, some dark chocolate, some white chocolate, some dark chocolate and start to see some of those switches that we can make and that can make a really big difference in a very quick and easy way in order to start to reduce our sugar intake down. Now, with that in mind, I've done a little bit of research to try and find some Easter eggs that are either dark chocolate or have got a lower sugar content in them. And there are quite a few ranges out there available at the moment from various different shops, which could be really good ones to think about. So first of all, there's a really good one called Melt Dark Chocolate Sea Salt Egg. You can get this in Waitrose and lots of other supermarkets. It is dark chocolate, but it's a sea salt flavored dark chocolate, which makes it taste a little bit more interesting than just straight dark chocolate. It is 24.99 for that Easter egg though, so it's not one of the cheapest ones, but if you're looking for a treat or you just want to have one egg or just buy one egg, that's a really good quality dark chocolate, quite low in sugar, then that could be a really good option to go for. Now Holland and Barrett's for children have made what they call the good egg, and it's quite a small egg, but it comes in a box and it's got no added sugar to it, and that is two pounds so that again could be a great option for children or if you've got a lower budget and you're wanting to have Easter eggs around that aren't going to have that big impact of sugar intake. We've also got a Thornton's No Added Sugar Easter Egg, which comes in at seven pounds. And again, a bit like the Holland and Barrett one, it's one that's a really tasty Easter egg, but again, much lower in sugar. Now, depending on how brave you are feeling, how much you like that bitter chocolate, Hotel Chocolat have come out with 100% cocoa dark chocolate Easter egg. It is 15 pounds and it is not for the faint hearted. 100% cocoa chocolate. I mean, it is chocolate, but if you're looking for that lovely sugary chocolate sweet hit, it is not going to do it for you. It is incredibly bitter, 100% cocoa. Some people love it, some people hate it. I have to admit, it's a step too far for me, but if you want to give it a go, or you know anybody that likes really bitter, rich chocolate, this Hotel Chocolat 100% Cocoa Dark Chocolate Easter Egg could be the way forward. If not, the other couple that you could look at would be Love Cocoa Sea Salt Dark Chocolate Easter Egg, which comes in at £12. And again, if you go back to Thorntons, Thorntons have just got a straightforward large dark chocolate Easter Egg. Again, it's dark chocolate. It's low in sugar, and that one comes in at £10. So there are lots of varieties, lots of options available, and as we say, the darker the chocolate, the better. Now, on the flip side, I've done a little bit of research and there are some Easter eggs that are particularly high in sugar, and I'm just going to represent the sugar in terms of calories because in Easter eggs, most of the calories are coming from sugar. If we were to look at things such as Cadbury's nut Easter Egg or Hotel Chocolat Extra Thick Rocky Road Easter Egg. Now that one Easter egg, the Hotel Chocolat one, actually comes in at a whopping 2,865 calories in one egg. I mean, it is amazing, it is thick, it's delicious. You probably wouldn't be able to eat it all in one day, but that is really, really high in sugar. Um, Cadbury's Extra Large Cream Egg Easter Egg comes in at 2,459 calories. Then, if we're starting to work our way down the list, anything such as the whisper gold Easter eggs, Snickers milk chocolate large Easter egg, they're all as well coming in around 1500 calories. So all really, really high in sugar. So do a bit of research. You know, there's lots of Easter eggs in between the ones that I've mentioned. So just make sure you're reading the ingredients list and see if there's any simple switches you can make that actually you're going from one type of Easter egg that has got this 2,859 calories in to maybe be switching and even if it's milk chocolate, there's still a big variety about your sugar intake. And really thinking about that sugar intake of those Easter eggs can be a brilliant step but you're still enjoying yourself, you're still having Easter eggs, but we're really starting to halve or quarter down the amount of sugar coming into the body. Different other things that you could actually think about doing. If you've got children, if you want to look at some art projects, or if you want to get creative for your friends and family, you can buy Easter egg moulds and get some dark chocolate yourself, maybe mix some 70% or 80% cocoa melted chocolate together, and you can make your own Easter eggs at home in the Easter egg moulds. It's a brilliant activity to do, and then you know you're choosing what you're putting into that Easter egg, and it can really give that personalised touch, whilst also making sure we're reducing our sugar intake down which is a really amazing thing that you're able to do. One of the things to think about as well, it isn't just about that sugar intake coming from those Easter eggs. As I said to begin with, when we're thinking about socializing more and seeing people more, we often find that we have got a lot more sugary food in the cupboards. So if you can, maybe just be a bit mindful over what you're eating over the course of the day. It isn't always the thing where we're thinking, I've chosen to eat that Easter egg. But it's when you're going to the kitchen to make that cup of tea and then you've suddenly ripped off a bit of the hot cross bun, or you've delved into the quality street or roses if you have those over Easter or you have the extra pudding at lunch and then you start grazing and have a bit more that's left over in the fridge in the evening. They can all be the things that actually can really build up over those four days of Easter or beyond. And we also can really easily get into that mentality where we think the cupboards are full of chocolate, loads of people have brought things, I need to eat my way through all of that sugar and all of that chocolate in the cupboard. And once I finished eating it all, then I'll go back to my healthy eating patterns you really don't have to do it. You don't have to think you've got to empty those cupboards before you go back to your healthy eating patterns. Chocolate, sugar, all of those things have a really long sell by date on them. So if you can just think, actually, I'm going to leave them in, I'll go back to my eating patterns. And when I occasionally have a bit of chocolate, maybe I have a little bit every day, maybe once a week, I'll just use up my sort of Easter eggs or Easter chocolate then. If you think maybe that might be a step beyond for your willpower, then you can always take it into work, have it in the staff room, give it to other people, you know, give it to others that maybe do want to eat more sugar than you do at the moment. So you can be mindful about how much of it you eat and how much you don't. But also let's not overbuy, you know, when we go to the supermarket and we see on the shelves, everything looks really tasty, everything looks appetizing. If we go eating when we're hungry, it's really easy to then buy lots of those sugary foods because we really see sugar as a way of treating and rewarding ourselves. And we often can't quite disassociate between that celebration and having a great time without needing to have those sugary products as well. There is so much in terms of the psychology behind eating sugar and feeling like a treat and reward, but also in terms of biochemical processes within the body. So I would say try to break that cycle if you can a little bit or just, you know, don't overbuy or feel that you've got to eat it all before before you go back to your healthy eating patterns. And actually over Easter, it's really you know, really important actually to keep any nourishing foods still coming into the body. If you've got a great pattern with boosting up your protein or eating more fruits and vegetables, hydrating the body, maybe boosting up your omega-3, whether it's been getting into movement or exercise, still keep that all going whilst having those extra treats. We don't have to stop one thing and then go to the other pattern. I always talk about the health line where we think about the two extremes. And we can often think if we're eating more chocolate, we're being bad. Then therefore we've got to stop all of those other positive things that we're doing. But it's not the case. It's still absolutely possible to do the exercise and the protein and the fruits and the vegetables and eat a bit of chocolate. And it's all about changing your mentality and your mindset into knowing that it's okay to do a bit of both over special occasions. What I would say is to really think about enjoying Easter But then what else can we do to make Easter enjoyable without it always just being about the sugar that we're eating? There are so many different things that we could do from arts and crafts or even creating new rituals within our family where we always do a walk every day. Easter Sunday as a family and it becomes the new thing that we do each year. Maybe it's a case of thinking about different arts and crafts that you can do and if you go onto the internet they've got loads of different top tips and tools and you know Easter arts and crafts projects that you can look at. Um, You can start to do things like making your own patterned boiled eggs at home and there is a brilliant website that you can go on where they show you how you can cook the egg by putting leaves or patterns all over it and then when you cook them, the eggshell actually becomes patterned in the way that the um, egg has been cooked. And you can still go on to eat those eggs, which is a really, really brilliant thing to do. So there's lots of ways that you could start to think about how to make some of these really positive patterns. Also, if we're thinking about treats for children or the family at home over Easter, there's lots of other things that you could do that aren't just buying the Easter eggs. For example, again, if you go onto the internet, there's My Kids Look the Bowl, there's the BBC Good Food, there's Nourish, there's loads of different websites with great ideas. For example, if for breakfast, you could make your children some Easter porridge. So that could be porridge, but if you put it into a cup and then you could slice two pits of apple for the ears, get a thinner slices of apple to make little whiskers on top of the porridge. Then you could use either raisins or little dark chocolate drops for the eyes and the nose and then you could put a little squidge of honey for each of the cheeks of the rabbit. So all of a sudden it feels like that treat, it feels like it's something special but it is still a bowl of porridge. Maybe you could make some homemade banana pancakes where you mash a banana, so it's one banana to two eggs and one spoonful of wholemeal flour. Mix that all together and you can make little pancakes that naturally taste quite sweet and again you could shape those into a smaller pancake for a head, a bigger pancake for the body if I can speak, then cut another pancake up to make two ears for the rabbit and maybe like a slice of banana for the tail so again the children feel like they're having a real treat. It's you know rabbit pancakes but actually it's really healthy banana pancakes tasting sweet, feeling like a treat with a lower sugar burden. You could always then look at things like fruity fondue, where you're getting sticks of, you know, fruit onto a fondue, and you could dip those in a little bit of melted chocolate. So again, it's a treat. So it's really, again, thinking about side of the box, not just thinking about, you know, what the supermarkets are telling us Easter should all be about, but actually creating new traditions for you. And alongside all of this, make sure you are still doing simple things like hydrating, protein will really help to stabilize your blood sugar which will really help with any extra sugar that we were eating thinking about trying to keep regular eating patterns in so we're not over you know indulging on snacks and then we miss out the nourishing food in the evening but also one other great top tip that we can think about doing is about reducing the sugar in our alcohol and over easter when we are socializing more maybe we are drinking a bit more alcohol can have an awful lot of sugar which on top of maybe some extra chocolate can create quite a burden on the body. If we were thinking about maybe some of the lowest sugar alcohol moving up to some of the highest, some of the best alcohol that you could actually drink in terms of sugar would be things like Prosecco or actually lots of red wine is quite low in sugar. If we were thinking about one glass of Prosecco, that's only got about a teaspoon, um, a quarter of a teaspoon, sorry, of sugar in. So actually it is really quite low if we start to move up in terms of sugar content, if we look at a large glass of rosé, that's got an average around two teaspoons of sugar. A pint of lager's got roughly around two teaspoons of sugar. Then if we start to think about a large glass of medium white wine, that's around four teaspoons of sugar. A gin and tonic, believe it or not, has got five and a half teaspoons of sugar in, so that's over your daily allowance for free sugar. Then a of Ice, if that is your drink of choice, has got around seven and a half teaspoons of sugar. And did you know one pint of real ale has got around nine teaspoons of sugar in. So again, if we want to have some extra drinks, go for it, enjoy yourself, but maybe if we went for more of the red wine, more of the Prosecco, we went for more of the dark chocolate, we made sure we were still eating that nourishing food and having that protein. We can enjoy Easter, we can relax, we can socialise, we can switch off from work, but also know that actually we're not putting a huge burden on our body that the body then needs to recover from afterwards. I hope you all have an amazing Easter. I hope you managed to switch off, enjoyed time with your friends and your family and enjoy any of these changes or the research or arts and crafts or lower sugar um, easter eggs that you'll be able to find and I will look forward to speaking or recording the next podcast after easter for you take care and speak to you soon bye